So it's great to be back at Hope Crossings and one of, uh, even though I've only been here one other time, one of our favorite places already. Um, you guys are so loving. You, just coming through the door in the parking lot, I mean, we were greeted with hugs and handshakes and, uh, and prayers, even walking through the door. This is a church. I love this church. And I'm um, so grateful to Pastor Chris and Lisa for inviting me and Cynthia uh, to be a part of what's going on here as he continues his sabbatical. Continue to pray for them as well. Um, I know you have been. And so, um, so we're just delighted to be here. And the, the staff here is amazing. The staff, even all the way back to the guys in the back on the computers, the media team, uh, the worship team, phenomenal. We just praise God for them. You guys are really blessed. I mean, not every church has uh, this quality of ministry, everything is done with excellence here, and that's a sign of great leadership. So, um, so yeah, amen. Go ahead and give it up for the Lord and your pastors. And uh, so the last time we were here, uh, since then, Cynthia and I have celebrated 30 years in marriage. And so we're, uh, we're just glad to be here again with you. We have some friends from Augusta with us, Austin and Amanda Neely. And they come up, it made our drive a little shorter. <laughs> uh, you know, when you're driving, sometimes you just, you know, me and Cynthia, we've, we spend so much time together. We just, sometimes we talk a lot in the car and sometimes we don't, but they help the drive be a lot easier for us this morning. So we're glad that you made it. We're glad that you're here. And if you're here on campus or you are watching online this morning, we welcome you. If you're a first-time visitor, whether you're here uh, personally or you're watching uh, via live stream, we welcome you to church today and uh, may God bless you and be with you today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to two different places in the scripture this morning. Uh, Mark chapter 9, if you'll turn with me there first, Mark chapter 9, and then you'll hold your place in Mark chapter 9 and turn over to Matthew chapter 19 and just kind of hold those places. We're going to eventually get there. I have some other scripture that I'm going to read to you along the way, uh, but those two are the main uh, text verses this morning. And so as we pray this morning, I'd love for you to join with me and let's just go before the Lord. Could you do that with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of joining here together, the church, one body together, Lord. We're, we're excited. God, this is the day that you've made and we rejoice and we're glad in it. So today we pray, Father, that your word be exalted in us and in our lives and everything that we do. God, let us carry out, Lord, out the assignment and the duties, God, that you've placed upon us as believers. And Lord, we praise you and honor you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. So a while back, I was, I was watching uh, an episode on TV. It wasn't really an episode. It was a, it was a, I guess it was a remaking of the story of Noah. And as I was watching this film, I couldn't help but to think to myself, I am so thankful that I have read the Bible for myself. Have you ever, you ever been like that when you watch TV and you watch, especially, you know, Hollywood never gets it right. And, and Hollywood was never commissioned to carry the gospel. How many know that? But thankfully, there's some good things going on in Hollywood. But as in general, they don't, they don't understand the concepts of the true word of God. And as I was watching this, I was thinking, man, I'm so glad, so thankful that I've read the scriptures for myself. I don't have to take their word for it. Um, I don't have to take someone's word for it that maybe had an edited version of what God said or what God did. But according to John chapter 8, verse 32, this is not one of your main text verse, but I want to just, just say this for you or quote it for you. And, and it talks about when you know the truth, the truth makes you free. 
Now, I love that. I love that. And when basically, when you have a knowledge of the truth, you cannot be bound by a lie. The lie has no more power to hold you. I want to give you a visible kind of an illustration of that. I have a picture of a horse for you. I want you to take a look at this horse here. And uh, how many know he's bound by a lie? Yeah. This horse is bound by a lie. His mind and his emotions have been so deceived that his strength is de basically being detained by such a small and tiny weakness. But all it would take is one moment of truth, and this horse would be set free. And the same is true for you and I today. The same is true for us. Now, that doesn't mean that you'll never make a mistake when you know the truth. It doesn't mean that you will never uh, do something as far as in the way of stumbling, uh, but it does mean that the power to hold you in that has been broken if you understand the truth, and especially the truth of the Word of God. Um, let me just give you another, for instance, if I were to tell you this morning that, um, that the symptoms of the common cold are that you're going to grow feathers and quack like a duck. Uh, you would look at me like I'm crazy. Some of you just did. You're like, what? And, and the reason is because you know the truth. You know that probably everybody in this building at one time or another has had some type of symptom from a common cold, and you didn't grow feathers, and you didn't quack like a duck. You might have barked like a dog from all the coughing, uh, but you didn't grow feathers. And so, but what if I were to say this morning, for instance, if I were to say that under one of your chairs, this morning in this sanctuary, there's a $20 bill right up under there. And all you have to do is by faith, reach up under there and search around for it. And it could be you. <laughs> there ain't much people in, that's got a lot of faith in here this morning in me, Austin. I don't know what's going on, but just why don't somebody just reach up under your chair right now and see what you find. Anybody? Hmm? Let's see. Maybe, maybe it could be the chair next to you. Huh? Nobody? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's in a chair that somebody's not sitting in. Maybe you were supposed to bring a friend to church this morning, and they were supposed to get the blessing. So how about check the, the chair on either side of you? Hmm. I'm going to do my little radar here. You might have to help us find it, Austin. Do -do 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 -do. Well, in just a moment, somebody's going to get a blessing. Ah, there we go. There's a man who's stepping out in faith. He's like, I'm going to find that blessing. So he's looking and he's searching. Anybody? Hmm? Okay. I see some folks still looking. I assure you it's there. Somebody found it, huh? Okay. Austin, go, go help some folks out. Austin's coming around. He's going to help. Oh. Uh-huh. See? You were going to let the blessing escape you. Look at there. $20. All right. See? But she had to have a little encouragement. Come on. Some, sometimes we have to have a little encouragement in our faith, right? 
right? Because we, even though we know the possibility is there, but sometimes we need people to come alongside us and say, look, it's there. Trust me, you can do this. It's, you know, I don't know about you, but oftentimes in my faith, even, even though I've been walking with the Lord a long time, sometimes I need somebody to come alongside of me and say, pastor, it's good. It's okay. You know, we're, we're going to get through this together. You know, I know it looks rough, but we're going to make it together. But the truth is, is that, that when you look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter nine, I want you to look there with me. I want to bring something out to you. I think that's really relative this morning. Are you there with me? Or we, we can have it on the overhead or on the screen for you. And uh, you can read it with me this morning. Mark chapter nine. I want you to read it from the uh, translation that's on the screen. It says this, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Come on, let's say it one more time. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, my translation says it like that. Maybe you have a different translation, but you can apply him, her, whoever into that place where it says him. Uh, the truth is it applies to anyone that believes. Now, I want you to look with me, flip over to Matthew chapter 19 and look at verse 26. Verse 26 says, Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, everybody say with men, which basically translates with humanity, this is impossible. But with God, say it with me, all things are possible. So if we put those two verses together and kind of you know, culminate them together, it says it like this. It says, if you can believe all things are possible with God, then all things are possible for you. I love that. Listen, I, 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 I like that. It gets me excited because this is the hope of the day, that impossible things become possible when you believe what God says. I love that song that y'all sang this morning, God Works with Impossible Things. That, that is the testimony of my life. God has worked with an impossible piece of clay all of my life. By the way, I want to bring uh, my greetings to Brother Don. Thank you for being with us today. I have loved the Gideons for many years. I have supported the Gideons as a pastor and uh, the Bibles, the Testaments, all of that. We have handed out for years and years and years in our ministry. We have seen souls come to Christ. Every time I go to a hotel, I open the drawer and I look for that Gideon Bible. When I find it, I don't just I don't just find it. I open it up to John three sixteen, and I always leave a tip for the cleaning lady. And Cynthia tell you, we always leave a a tip. We open the Bible and leave the tip right on the scripture of John 3.16. You see, the word is powerful. The word is powerful. But when you look at this and when you understand that impossible things become possible when you do what God says, that means that whatever your circumstance is, I don't know what your circumstance is this morning, but God understands. God knows what your circumstance is. And if I believe, according to the scripture, um, if I, being the stipulation that qualifies me, if I believe that with God, uh, you know, uh, everything is possible, then everything is possible for me, right? So it's a personal thing. And uh, so I can't just stand here or, or even uh, sit in a congregation like you and say, well, my situation is never going to change. I know a lot of people would think that um, some situations do look impossible. And you can't sit there today and say, this is the end of the matter and nothing is ever going to change, um, you know, and so uh, my bad day doesn't have to rule over me. There's times when I walk out of the house and I'm having a good day and someone tries to cut me off in traffic or do something and it, it, it makes me want to, you know, think thoughts that aren't <laughs> godly and, you know, uh, uh, maybe, maybe even want to get back in front of them and do the same thing. But 
But that's not the way to go. You know, as I read the scripture, Jesus says, do as I do because I'm doing what I see the Father doing. And so my bad day doesn't have to rule over me. My broken thing doesn't have to break me. My lack doesn't have to lick me. My inability, it doesn't have to limit me. And my sin doesn't have to sink me. And a lot of people believe that, you know, this is the way I am. I'll never be able to change. That is not the truth. I have two birthdays too. And I'm thankful for that second birthday. By the way, I have a 10-cow wife. She's worth 10, not 6. Yeah. Okay. Some of y'all said I would have never said that. <laughs> Good thing she was in here to hear what the Gideon said. She would have, I'd have really been in trouble after this. But God's Word has the potential to lift me out. That's what I'm telling you this morning. God's Word has the potential to take you out of the situation that you're in and put you in a situation that is totally different if we choose to believe. God's truth is the possibility for change. So you can't sit there and say that change isn't possible if you believe God it is. So I want you to say this with me again together. We're going to put it back, Mark, 9, or Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Look at it with me. If you can believe, say it with me, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, I believe that there is nothing that is able to limit God. And I want to encourage you this morning that there is nothing limiting you from enjoying the blessings, the full blessings of God except for you. A lot of times the problem is, is I get in the way. We get in the way as, as people. And, but there is power within us to bring about change because the power comes from the Lord. And so if you are a person who has lost your dream, and I will say that's very common in this, in this day. In fact, it, it, it's, it's been common in humanity for a long time. It's not just new with us. But things happen, and things, you know, in our world seem discouraging at times. And oftentimes, a man or a woman with a dream can work so hard for that dream, and then they find themselves losing the ability to attain that dream. Now, that dream may be a personal dream. It may be something that God put in your heart years ago. And they seem like, well, I've been working towards that, and I just don't see it coming to fruition. I don't know if it's going to happen. Let me tell you, you can dream again with God. You can dream, and you can dream big. There's power within you to create a better environment. There's a power within you to, be, uh, to, to create a better attitude. Maybe it's your attitude that needs to change. <laughs> Hello? I mean, sometimes it's just our attitude. It's not, it's not that the Word of God isn't true. It's just our own, what I call, stinking thinking. Uh, a better education is possible. A better career. You have the power within you to better your marriage. Somebody say amen. Right? You don't, you don't have to stay in that same old cycle of defeat that you've always lived in and say, well, you know what, this don't work. I'll just cash them in for a new one. That's not the way that it works. Especially in God's economy, he wants you to work through it. He took two imperfect people, brought them together in perfection in him, right? The perfection is not in us, but in him to work through to make it better. So if you have goals in your life that you feel like that are not attainable anymore because maybe you did get married. Maybe, um, you know, you, you had some things that happened to you earlier in life that wasn't even your fault. And you just couldn't accomplish it. Now the time is to dream again. We don't have to believe just for belief's sake. Watch this. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's, that's the formula right there. 
I and you being the stipulation, we being the vessel that God pours his miraculous energy and strength into, but it is through him I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So regardless of how big the giants are that are standing in my way, regardless of how tall the walls are that I feel like that have surrounded my life with fear and doubt, regardless of how deep the seas of my past, just remember nothing is impossible with God, and so therefore nothing is impossible for you because you are in Christ. So this is what time it is. It's time for the church to believe God again. And I know that sounds funny that I would be saying that to a group of church people, a building full of church people. But it is the church people, I'm afraid, who has forgotten that we serve a God who has limitless power. Come on now. Y'all need to help out this morning because you are participating in this service, right? You're a participant, and you know that you cannot do anything outside of God's power and God's help for your life. But we as the church, we need to be demonstrating that to the world that when we walk out of this sanctuary every day, that there is a power that is residing in us that we're not going to act like the world. We don't have to say what the world says. We don't have to do what the world does. We don't have to accept the report that the world accepts. Why? Because we have a power that is not working in them. God's power is working in us. And that's the whole key. So instead, a lot of times, though, we become addicted to our own self-sufficiency. And we've all done this, right? Because if we can't do it, we go and hire someone else that can do it. And a lot of times we just do things. Now, I'm going to talk to the men here for just a minute because I'm a guy and I can pick on these guys. But how many of you guys just totally read through all the directions when you go to build something? No. Why? Because we can do it. We got this. And, and so we just bypass that and we just go straight into working on that little bicycle or whatever it is. I'm surprised that my children live to be adults <laughs> with all the things that I built for them over the years. And I was just like, oh, those are extra. You know, they just said, uh, Cynthia would walk up. And she says, what are, what are these? What do those go to? And I said, well, you know, they always package extras, case, you know, because we, we drop things a lot. So they, you know, and, and it's a miracle that they're living today. And so, but... If we can't do it, we find someone that else can do it. And we do all of these things without consulting God, right? And so if we can't do it, we find someone else to do it. And if we can't find someone else to do it, we try to do it anyway, again, without consulting God. But then we finally exhaust ourselves trying to make it happen in our own strength. There are many different scriptures or scenarios I could use in the Word of God to prove this point. But I want to use one particular woman who had, the Bible said she had an issue of blood for 12 years. It's found in Luke chapter 8. I didn't put it in the PowerPoint for you, but you can go there. You can turn if you want. Luke chapter 8. And after exhausting herself for all of these years, and not just herself, but all that she had, she didn't exhaust her just her energy, but all of her money, all of her resources, but she found relief in belief. Not in the things that she could provide, not in the things that she could do herself, but when she heard of Jesus, of Nazareth, she made a verbal declaration. And you can find it in the scripture. If you go in there and, and read in your private devotion time, you can see it there. She opened her own mouth, and the emphasis when she did was on herself. She said these words. She said, if I, that was her very first two words, if I. If I could but touch the hem of his robe, I'd be made whole. Her preferred destiny came down to faith in God, obviously, 
but she also had to face the woman in the mirror. Every day, sometimes what we need to do is we need to make a habit of when we're brushing our hair, getting all beautified, brushing our teeth, you know, in the morning and just saying, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Sometimes we just have to look the person right in the mirror and say, there is a power within you that resides in you that is more powerful than that power that exists in the world. Greater is he that is in you. And you just start, you start telling yourself that and you begin to quote the scripture during a worship service earlier um, in the year. One of our younger ministers, he came up during a time of prayer. And uh, during this time, he, he walked up to the microphone and he took the microphone and he gave a very short and powerful word from God. Sometimes the shorter ones are the most powerful ones, right? Right? Y'all didn't say amen, so I'm going to preach for about another hour. <laughs> and so he walked up to the microphone, he grabbed the microphone and, and he said these words. I wrote them down because I never want to forget what he said. He said, the church today is exhausting itself instead of exalting God. Drop the mic. That's it in a nutshell. We try so hard to make things work, to make things happen, to do certain things without exalting God. You know what? God said this. He said, my house should be called a house of prayer. And we have made it so many other things when we come in. Now, I'm, I'm appreciative of all the things that we have in our church buildings and, and you know, the, the people that have abilities and talents. All of that has its part to play. But when we come in, if we forget to exalt God, that's what I love about Hope Crossings and, and our church at the Assembly of Augusta. We have an emphasis on praise on worship, exalting God first. When you walk into our building, you know, we got, we got music playing. We got, you know, like people, sometimes people are at the altar. The worship team is already on the platform like you guys are here, just already prepared to worship. We're, we're in our place. We're expecting to meet with God that day. And so this is true. The church today is exhausting itself instead of exalting God. We'll never be able to fight our own battles. No, no matter what your ability is, you'll never be able to take care of yourself spiritually like you need to. You have to have the Lord. And so we'll never attain what I feel like that this world is searching for. And uh, we hear a big cry in our world today for equality and freedom, and it's necessary. But we're never going to attain that outside of the Word of God. We're never going to be able to do that in our own strength and through programs and just goodwill and things. No, it's going to take Jesus. If Jesus had to leave his place in heaven to come to a world filled with selfishness to demonstrate the love of the Father and how to serve man. And then he said, you know, when he, before he left, he said, the greatest among you is your servant. The greatest among you are the one that will humble himself and become like a child. See, when this woman exhausted all she had, some things happened. She acted in faith. And I'll give you these three things that happened. Three things happened. Number one, that Jesus felt her touch above the rest. When Jesus asked, this is what he said. He said, who touched me? Now, Peter and the other disciples, they kind of got like a little agitated with that. They, didn't, they were like, Master, you know, there's people pushing in on all sides of you. What do you mean? Who touched me? Do you look around? You know, there's everybody is touching you. But he said, no, you don't understand. He said, someone touched me. 
And when they touched me, this person drew virtue out of me. Virtue went out of my body into their body. I felt this. I sensed it. He said, who touched me? And the woman who with the issue of blood for 12 years that had already exhausted herself, she looked to Jesus and she, the Bible says she realized she could no longer be hid, that the crowd was looking around and she had, she had been made. And so she steps over to Jesus and she falls down on her knees and she begins to confess, I'm the one, I'm the one that touched you. She, she you know, almost with a, almost with a, I'm sorry, but I, I just had to have it. I had to have your power. You're the only source of strength and energy for me. And you know what he said? Instead of getting upset, people were like, who touched the master? You know, like, don't be getting so close. I've never, listen, I have never understood pastors that hide out somewhere from their congregation when people are coming in and out of the building and they're just like, all of a sudden, they, you know, about halfway through worship, they show up. I'm thankful, Pastor. Chris is not like that because I'd be talking about him, be listening to me. No, I... <laughs> He's not like that. I watched the first day I come in here, he's, he's out there, he's greeting you, he's loving on the church. He's loving. That's, that's an image of Jesus. Jesus was always with the people, for the people, about the people. Then he also took time for himself to go away and pray, right? To refuel, to recharge, and that also is needful. But Jesus described here, he said, he said in his own words back to her, he said, be of be of good courage or be of good cheer. He said, um, your faith has made you whole. And what's interesting about that is that it was her faith. He didn't say, well, you know, I mean, even though it was him, he didn't say, well, you know, you came and you touched me and look what happens when you touch me. He said, no, you had a part to play in this. When you touched me in faith, something happened. I know a lot of people touch or reach out, should I say, to Jesus every day. But not everyone touches him. A lot of people reach out to Jesus every day, but not everyone touches him. Number two, the second thing that happened is Jesus responded to her touch. When the woman saw that she was no longer hid, as I said, she came trembling, falling down before him. And that's when he said, daughter, be of good comfort. That's the words I was looking for a while ago. He said, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you well. In other words, because you believe your faith and my ability did this, which leads to the third thing that happened, number three, and that is the woman was healed instantly. She left that day in a different state. I want to ask you something. When is the last time that you came into God's presence, into God's house and left different? I'm not talking about coming to church and punching the spiritual time card because we all get in that routine sometimes. I'm talking about coming to church for a purpose. I'm going to get in God's presence today. I'm going to worship Jesus like, like nobody's business. The problem is, is that we have gotten dignified, but sometimes we need to dance like David. Sometimes what we got to do is we got to shake it off we got to shake off this religious thing that's going on, and we've got to get free in an atmosphere where we can get healed, where we can get, we can get touched by God, we can get our needs met, we can get our children saved, and, and, you know, and stop being so dignified when it comes to the house of God. Now, I'm not saying, watch this, I'm not saying we do things out of order, I'm just saying be free. 
I'm just saying God deserves the praise. God deserves the glory. When the people come together, when we come into the house of God, there ought, listen, this ought to be the same atmosphere, the charge and electricity, not worshiping the same thing as you see when people go to the ball game or the stadium. But when we praise God, if you feel it, you ought to say amen. If you feel like just letting loose, you ought to be able to, to say praise the Lord. Or if you want to get out of your seat, you know what? You're not, you're not glued to that chair. You ought to be able to walk around in the freedom of God and lift your hands and just say, hallelujah, praise God. God touched me today. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God for salvation. My salvation, other salvation, freedom in the house of God. That's what I'm talking about. So virtue went out of Jesus that day. And I want to tell you, when you touch God, virtue is going to come out of God when you touch him in this manner. And if you want something, you need something from God, what you, and it might just be, you might be the one that just needs a little freedom in your life. It was the last time that you really, truly got free in the house of God. I mean, you know, last time I checked that, uh, you know, this is a, this and the Assembly of Augusta, and, 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 and we are all Assemblies of God churches. We believe in the power of God. We believe in healing. We believe, listen, we believe in a lot of things that a lot of churches don't believe because they think that it's died and, you know, out with the, the apostles that, you know, nobody's ever going to get healed again. I am a standing testimony that God still heals. In fact, I'm believing for God to heal me today. When we're, Austin, he said, I'm going to, Pastor, I'm going to pray for you before we leave today. I got some things coming up next week that I've got to face. I need God's mercy. I need, to, I need a touch from God. Maybe you do as well. Jesus also declared, he said, your faith has made you well. I want to ask you something. When's the last time that you had a faith to reach out and touch the Lord and you received a miracle? It's in you. It's in you. And don't sit there and say, well, you know what? I'm, it, that's not me. You know, that's, I don't get all excited. I'm, you don't have to run the altar. You don't have to run on the back of the chairs. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that, but you do have to release your faith. And releasing your faith is a part of your daily Christian devotion with God. How do you think the Gideons do what they do without releasing faith every single day? How do you think they go to the mission field and do what they do and all over the world and they, and they give these Bibles out without releasing faith every single day? That's why your money when you give today to the Gideons, or every dollar is going to go to giving Bibles. They provide everything else. They do it by faith. It's a faith walk. Listen, when Lazarus was in the tomb. Jesus called him forth. He commanded him to come forth. Now, Jesus could have just sent some couple of big guys in there and said, hey, you two guys over there, just run on up in there and drag him out of there. Come on, bring him out here in front of everybody. I want to raise him up. But he didn't. He called Lazarus by name. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And I want to tell you that if Lazarus had not got up himself and walked to the door or the entrance of that tomb, he'd still be there today. So when fear tried to grip Jairus with the horrible news that his daughter was dead, uh, Jesus told Jairus, he looked him in the eye. When fear was trying to grip him, he said, only believe. That's what Jesus said. Only believe. Just believe. Don't believe that. Keep your eyes on me is what he was saying. And I will tell you that if Jairus had not kept his eyes on Jesus that day, he would have never seen his daughter alive this side of heaven. You see, mountains of worry and doubt always stand between you and your miracle. It's always going to be there. The mountain of worry, the mountain of doubt, all of these things are going to be there. But in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, 
And I didn't include this in my notes either for the PowerPoint, but listen to what Jesus said. He said, for surely I say to you, whoever says this mountain be removed, be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. The scripture says, therefore, I say unto you, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That's why Jesus taught us to speak to the mountain, to say what the word of God says out of our mouth. Do you, do you realize the word of God is quick and powerful? It's like a two-edged sword, the Bible says. It's able to cut both ways, to heal or to kill. To heal things that need to be you know, healed in your life, to kill out, to cause those things to die out of your life that don't need to be there. See, God's, God's Word is an instrument where He goes in and he, almost like a laser and He can take out the bad parts, put it over there, and then use that laser to cauterize to make everything heal up again. I love the Word of God. It's so powerful. But you have to speak it. You can't just read it. You can't just read it. You have to hear it. What does the Bible say about hearing the Word of God? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You can't, that's why we preach. That's why we, but when you read sometimes in your daily personal life, what you need to do is just get alone in your prayer closet and just when you're praying, read the Word of God openly out loud to yourself. It'll build faith. Now I can honestly say that most of the time that I have prayed in my life in sincere faith using this scripture, my prayers have been answered. But I can equally honestly tell you that there are some times that I have prayed in sincere faith and using even this verse that there have been some things that were not answered. And it all have to do with it all has to do with God's will or God's timing. Sometimes the things that you pray for is God's will for your life, and sometimes it's not. And it takes maturity, walking with Him day by day by day, listening to His voice, responding and doing His commands to understand the difference. And so there's been times in my life when I've prayed, and yes, things got answered immediately. In fact, there were times in my life I told Cynthia, uh, I've got to start believing for something bigger. Everything I've prayed for has been answered. And, and that's, a, that's a testimony. But then there's been times when i prayed for things and it didn't happen. And so it has to do with either, like I said, the in or outside of the will of God and or God's timing. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes he says not right now. And that's a big deal. And when it's not right now, we don't pout and we don't, you know, stomp our feet and, you know, act like children. We just say, okay, God, whenever, but Lord, hurry. That's what we really want to say. <laughs> Lord, hurry. Now, I want to kind of... Um, I'm getting close, close to the end. I'm going to end with a kind of a personal story in just a moment. But I do want to make one mention about this particular scripture. What I, th I think that a lot of people have taken this scripture, and uh, a lot of people, it, it's hurt their faith more so than it's helped their faith. Because a lot of times I have had personally people in my life that I have either mentored or people that I looked up to, some of them um, who should have been a further along in their walk with the Lord, they have taken this scripture and they've gone to the hospital or they've gone somewhere and they prayed for somebody, especially when it deals with a life or death situation. And when it didn't happen, they just say, well, you know, God didn't hear me or I'm not, you know, and a lot, most of the time they will say, the, mat the more mature Christians will say, I didn't have enough faith. That's what they will say. That is not necessarily the case. Um, some of the weaker Christians would have said, well, I prayed in faith and believe and God didn't do it. 
So God must be mad at me, or I've done something. I've sinned or something in my life, so there must be some reason. I just told you the two reasons. Either it's, either it's God's will or it's not God's will, or it's God, not God's timing at the present time. So I have experienced people, and I've uh, sadly had two people that were under my ministry that, um, well, in fact, the husband died. The woman prayed in faith. He didn't get healed. And she almost but gave up on her faith because God didn't heal him, and he went on to be with the Lord. Can I tell you this, that, that death is not a mountain for believers. Death needs to be looked at, and for the most part, is an opportunity, not a mountain. Now, there are times and places, and I understand where God says, and I'm taking it, you know, I'm taking, you know, a liberty to, I don't know how Pastor Chris would preach on this subject. I'm just talking to you from my heart. But there's times when I feel like that we damage our faith if we're not careful because we don't understand God's timing. So don't look at death as a mountain, look at it as an opportunity. Paul, uh, Paul said, he said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So when I die, Paul was basically saying, don't shed a tear for me. I'm with the Father. I'm, I'm, I have behold or beheld the glory of God, and I've, I've received my reward. I told you last time I was here that uh, back in 2020, I lost uh, eight members of my family. And that was a hard time for me. And I prayed, and some of those, uh, obviously, obviously eight of those people didn't get healed. I felt like, you know, at times, you know, what's the use? But God just reassured me that my plan is bigger than your plan, and you don't understand, but right now, you, or later on, you will. So just hold on. So I just kept praying. I kept believing God. All I'm saying through all of this is that there are times when we need to obey God's word, whether we understand it or whether we don't. For instance, um, when his friends turned on him and against him and everyone, everybody wanted to stone him because, and even he didn't see it for himself. He didn't understand what was going on. David, the Bible said, had to encourage himself. He had to encourage himself in the Lord. He had to say what the Lord said, and he spoke the words of the Lord. When God told Moses to speak to Pharaoh and say, let my people go, even Moses' own people said, you know, what are you doing? Why are you causing trouble? Why are you, you know, like, you're making it worse on us instead of better. Because temporarily, remember, it's all about either God's will or God's timing. It wasn't God's timing yet, but God was working through people and working through the situations. But what if Moses had not said to Pharaoh, let my people go? They would, they would still be in Egypt today. Or again, when Moses stretched out his staff, God had Moses stretch out his staff. What if Moses hadn't stretched out the staff in obedience? I'll tell you what would have happened. It would have been one of the most horrific slaughters written in the book of Exodus that we've ever seen. Or what about Noah, when God told Noah to build the ark? Had he not believed God? He just said, nah, I'm not going to do that. Noah would have perished and his entire family with everyone that was wicked in the earth. Or what about Joshua, or Joshua when he marched around the wall? God told him to do it seven times. Austin, what if he had only done it six? Thinking about it. I tell you what would have happened. I've been there. I, I've been to where the walls are. In fact, I've been, I've seen the rock. The rock is actually pushed down into the dirt all around Jericho today. I've seen it. But it wouldn't be there. It would still be standing today had Joshua only marched six times. So having said 
all of that. The truth of all of this is that if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. In Matthew 19, 26, with God, all things are possible. I don't know what it is that you're trusting God for today. But I do know this, that with him, it's possible. In his will and in his timing. And guess what? And if you pray for something that is not in his will, not in his time, and you don't need it anyway, it's not going to benefit you. It's going to hurt you. So just trust him. I'm going to close with this story. I'm going to tell you about a man named Dave. One of my favorite all-time stories in ministry, and it has to do with faith. One day I was driving down the road, coming back to the church across Augusta on I-520, which is the Bobby Jones Expressway. If you've been to Augusta, you know where that's at. It's a very busy expressway. I'm driving. I exit off exit number seven. I go down to the bottom of the exit and go to go back up the hill. And I look to my left and I see a man sitting, a homeless man sitting on the side, like a knoll, a hill right up there. And he's just sitting like a little frog right on a hill. And I passed by him. And as soon as I, I passed by him, I heard the Holy Spirit say this. Did you see him? How many know when God asks you, did you see somebody, you can't lie? I pass, and I know you do as well, I pass a lot of homeless people all the time. Some I help, but only when the Holy Spirit directs me to do so at a certain hour. There's times when we do outreach, we help everybody, but you can't always stop all the time for everybody. I mean, it's, sometimes it's dangerous even to stop. You know, the, 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 the atmosphere is not right or whatever. So I'm going by, and it was one of those times there were cars behind me and everything. I really couldn't make a sudden stop. But when I passed, I glanced that way, and I looked, and, and then I just kept on, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, did you see him? And I said, yes. The next question was this, can you believe for him? And I'm like, Lord, I know that you can do all things. I started getting all spiritual with God, you know. I know that you are God and that you can do all things, you know. He said, but can you believe for him? Can he be saved? I said, yes, sir. And he said, what are you going to do about it? And so I took my car and I went all the way back around the exit. And I come back around the exit and I safely pull over to the side of the road. I get out of my car. I start walking up the hill. And I get about halfway up the hill and I hear him say, stop. And I stop, not God. But Dave, and I said, I'm, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just here to talk to you for a moment. He said, no. He said, what you don't understand. He said that um, if you're not careful, you're going to be stepping in stuff you don't want to step in. You see, Dave didn't have a home. Dave didn't have a house or uh, he didn't have a car. Dave didn't even have a porta potty. All Dave had was what was around him, and he was so dirty and so smelly, and he had been on the street so long, nobody even wanted Dave to go into their place of business to use the bathroom. So when I looked all around me, there's literally a pile of feces everywhere. He had been on that hill for a long time, and for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe I'd just been passing him, I hadn't seen him, uh, but, but uh, later on I found out because of the malnutrition and the things that he was eating, it just would go right through his body, and so I looked around, and, and the next thing that I noticed is that nowhere around is any toilet paper or anything, so you can imagine the next thing that's going through my mind when I go to reach for his hand to introduce myself, but God said, touch him. 
So I went over and I reached out and I shook his hand and he grabbed my hand. It was like grabbing a piece of leather. And I grabbed his hand and I said, hello, my name is Brandon. And I said, I just wanted to stop and talk to you for a moment. And, and you know, like we as pastors especially, but just Christians in general, we can over-spiritualize ourselves. So I tried not to do that. I just said, I said, hey, man, I noticed you're up here on this hill and, you know, it's, it's cold out here. It was close to Thanksgiving. And that particular year, it was an early winter, not a late winter. And I said, it's kind of cold out here. And I said, are you okay? He said, well, I'm, I'm making it. And I said, no, I said, um, but I mean, where are you sleeping? And he said, right over here in the bush. And I looked over there and there's just, you know, trash everywhere and everything. So I said, Dave, I'll be back. So I got in my car, went and got him food, got, you know, done the Christian thing, right? Because that's what we do. We're going to go buy people food and we're going to, and then I, got, I brought all of this to Dave and I give it to Dave. And, uh, and so I bring it back and I brought back a trash bag, right? Because I'm, I'm like that guy. I'm like, Dave, man, you got to clean up your yard, <laughs> right? You know, and so because, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, whatever. I brought a trash bag. So <laughs> some of y'all are with me, you know what I'm saying? I said, Dave, man, clean up your yard. <laughs> I said, here's food. Here's, you know, some provisions and everything. I said, Dave, I'm going to, I live right around the corner here. I literally lived less than a half a mile from now. I said, live right around the corner. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get some stuff. I'm going to bring it back to you. Would you like to have a tent? Because I got to thinking, you know what? I can give a little more. I can give a little more. And every time I tried to give something to Dave, God said, God would not release me from Dave. Like I'd, I'd gave him food, you know, like God had done my duty. I gave him a tent, Lord. I went and bought him a tent, bought him a sleeping bag. It was getting cold, you know, and all of this stuff. And so Dave wouldn't have to sleep on the ground and everything. And God still wouldn't release me. And so it's Thanksgiving, right? And so I go to my wife after hearing from the voice of God again, and I say, Cynthia, God's telling me to invite Dave to Thanksgiving dinner. Are you okay with that? And she's like, I'm fine with that, you know? And, and she says, um, you know, like, do you think maybe we can, you know, like we can clean him up a little bit? And I said, I don't know if he will even, you know, let me. I said, but I'll buy him some clothes and we'll get Dave, you know, in there. And so we brought Dave and we got him, um, you know, in, in the, I said, Dave, I know, like, please don't get mad at me or anything, but dude, you stink. Like, you smell bad. I mean, he like, do you mind if, I'm just real. You know, I'm just like, okay. And Dave was laughing. He's like, man, I get it. I understand. He said, I've been out here a long time, you know. And, and I said, I said, Dave, would, would you? And I said, okay, I'm going to do that. I went and got Dave some, some clothes and brought him home. I said, I want to bring you home for Thanksgiving. And I'm talking about, you know, I'm, li I'm the pastor. I'm living in the parsonage. We got my whole family, some of the church folks coming over. And, you know, and, and see, this was wrong with me, but I was thinking, you know, like, we need to dress Dave up a little bit because Dave's hair is all wild. You know, he had it's got, like, got dreadlocks and stuff because he hadn't had a shower in so long. And so, so Dave comes up in there, you know, he's, he's very grateful. This guy is chill. He's so grateful for everything he's getting. And, and I take him and I put him back in the bathroom. I said, Dave, here's soap, here's, you know, a razor, here's everything. And then, and then Dave had been out so long and without a bath so long, he couldn't even bend good. You know, he had to like, so like there was, I, listen, I'm not trying to be gross. Y'all need to edit this part if you have to. But he's like, he can't even reach hardly, you know, like to bathe certain areas of his body, you know. And so the voice of God. He said, you need to help him. 
He said, I washed your feet. How about wash Dave's? And so Dave, I said, Dave, I know this sounds crazy. And I, I please, once again, don't get like mad at me. And, you know, but would you mind if I come in and wash your feet? If you could just stick them out, you know, the shower or whatever. He said, he said, Brandon, he said, I would, uh, he said, I don't even want you. He said, I've got so much. And I opened the shower curtain, guys, and he was so dirty when I, and he said, would you wash my back? I began to scrub Dave's back and dirt just began to peel off of this man. And I scrubbed him and the bottom of the tub was black when I got him in there. And I'm like, okay, you know, got him, got him all dressed up. We shaved Dave. We shampooed Dave. Dave come out. He looked like the Thanksgiving turkey. You know I mean? He, he was like. He was so proud. He was like, Dave, you know, but the thing I didn't tell you is that Dave was a manic alcoholic. I mean, he drank like a fish. Everything, and he wouldn't beg for money, but people would just give him money and stop him. And everything that he never hardly ate, he would just drink it all. And I asked Dave, I said, Dave, why do you drink so much? He said, because it's the way that I stay warm, especially in the winter. He said, now I drink and I am an alcoholic. He said, but I drink a lot more. And I told Dave, I said, Dave, you're going to die out on the street. You know that, right? If you don't get some help. He said, I know. So Christmas, by this time, Christmas, you know, the whole time I'm working with Dave. And God said to me, he said, you need to bring Dave to church. So I go and pick up Dave. Dave comes to church on like the Sunday before Christmas. And I've been talking to Dave, just witnessing to him. I gave him a Bible. You know, David had been reading his Bible. Every day I'd check on him in his little tent, you know, and he was reading his Bible. And, and uh, he would tell me, preacher, I've been reading. And so I know this is kind of long, but I'm going somewhere with this. Hang on. So Dave, one day he, he comes to church and sitting on that altar, I look down from the pulpit and I see tears, crocodile tears running down the face of my friend Dave. And he, he gets up, I'll never forget the day, he walks up to the altar and he falls on the altar like he just, almost like he passed out, but just fell and he, he finally caught himself on his arms and his legs and he weeped and he cried out to God and he said, God, if you can save anyone, save me. And in that moment, I realized, from that moment, I realized that God spoke to my heart and he said, when I found you, you were the same man sitting around in that pile of mess. That's what your life looked like. And he said, outside of me, there is nothing clean or nothing good about you. You were Dave. And there were Daves all over this world. And I said, Dave, when's the last time that you've seen your family? He said, oh, I don't know. He said, probably years. They don't even know if I'm still alive. I said, where are you at? Where do you live? He said, California. I said, Dave, we're going to put you on a bus. We're going to send you. How would you like to go home for Christmas? He just started crying. He said, that would be amazing. I said, well, let's call your dad. He called his dad. Dave wasn't really that old, but I called his dad. And his dad weeped uncontrollably for like five minutes before once he realized who was on the other line. I said, sir, I'm such and such. I have your son Dave here. He wants to talk to you. And he just started crying. He said, I thought he was dead. And I got to thinking about the prodigal son. When Jesus, when, you know, when the father rather said, my son was dead, but now he's alive. Put a ring on his finger, put the best robes on him, fix him up, make him feel like that he has a place. And I said all of that to say this, if you can believe all things are possible to those that believe. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know where the Daves are in your life. Maybe today you're the Dave. Maybe you're the one that needs to believe and to come to Christ. 
But I just want to tell you that like, like Don knows, the Gideons and everyone that gives out the Bible and the Word of God, it is possible. There is a time and a place where you can be born again, and maybe today's your day. Or maybe today is the day for your loved one or your lost friend or your coworker. Maybe God is speaking to you. Whatever God is speaking to you, know this. All things are possible with God. And you can do it with His help.